everybody, and welcome to another episode of Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and today we have two things to talk about, which are both pretty exciting. Uh, I am going to provide you guys with my spoiler review and discussion of Frozen 2, which I was able to go see last night, along with what I'm really excited to share, which is some special, uh, I guess, what-if scenarios from Marvel Studios. So I recently, I actually just came in the mail on Tuesday, got the Marvel Art of Avengers Endgame book. It's a uh, giant, huge tome of uh, concept art from the movies. And at the very back of this book, there are uh, about, I'd say, maybe 20 pages of unused concept art for scenes in movies that never made it to the screen. So really, really cool insights on that that I can't wait to share with you guys. Um, If you guys are in on the social media scene, you've probably seen some of these pictures already, uh, as a lot of news outlets are just you know, sharing them as well, uh, because I think everyone kind of got this book, or at least they, you know, found the concept art online or something like that. But uh, I will dive in and kind of share uh, my my bits on that. And then one more thing, and I'll, I'll try and remember this at the end as well. But again, there will be no uh, episode uh, next week. And, uh, you know, actually there may be, it'll depend. I am out next week for Thanksgiving. I'm I'm off uh, the whole week, but, uh, I may have some time to record something next weekend. So we will see, uh, fingers crossed. Cause I'm going to be trying to watch some movies. Uh, I'm always trying to watch movies guys, <laughs> but I'll be trying to watch some movies with my family as we celebrate Thanksgiving. So, uh, we'll uh, jump right into it, uh, with frozen two. I, uh, my, going into this movie, uh, and and my wife loves these movies, and I, I love these movies too. So I'm, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give it all to her, but um, I just I love Disney movies, and I get that there are Disney movies that are not good, and I've certainly seen my fair share. But there's just I, there's some sort of magic around Disney movies that I'm sure you guys feel, and honestly, I think America and the world kind of feels because these Disney movies perform really really well, despite some of them like. Uh, Beauty and the Beast, for example, being eh, you know, a okay, and 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 they all they all have their redeeming qualities, and I, I think there's nitpicks to be had on all the movies, but overall, there's just this atmosphere when you're watching a Disney movie that uh, I don't know, there's just something special about it. It's really hard to place. I know it's it's part production design, part nostalgia, and a couple of other things are mixed in that brew, but. Uh, that makes for the beginning of my conversation, which is Frozen 2 is a pretty special movie. I, I really liked it. I uh, gave it a 7 out of 10. It was a good movie. It wasn't great uh, by by these standards. It just was a, a good movie, and, and I'll tell you why. So um, this movie is it's a sequel to the first Frozen, and so at this point in time, Anna and Elsa, Anna and Elsa are... Uh, kind of living their life in Arendelle along with Kristoff uh, and uh, Sven, the reindeer, and Olaf, the um, snowman. They are kind of just, again, living their best life in the castle. They're having fun, playing charades, and uh, Elsa is being, she's a great queen. Everybody loves her, and the movie sort of opens with that, but also opens with a uh, sort of a flashback to when they're kids, their father tells them the story about an enchanted forest. And apparently in this enchanted forest, there are the four prime elements of the earth or of the world, I guess, earth, fire, water, and wind. 
and apparently there was this other sort of group of people that lived in the Enchanted Forest, and uh, it doesn't take a super genius to start seeing the similarities between uh, Americans and Native Americans, or I guess you could say the colonizers and Native Americans. And uh, they essentially these people, and I don't I don't remember the name of of the people, and I'm going to see on. Uh, on IMDb here, if it has a nope, it doesn't say it on here either. But there, I, I for it's it's a it's a not a Nordic name, but like a, a Danish name. I mean, this is sort of the far north, and so it's just this sort of native group there that they use. There's magic in the enchanted forest. That's kind of the message. Is there's there's this sort of special magic that's there. And uh, back in that time, the king. Uh, Elsa's father was a young boy and his father so Elsa's grandfather uh, was trying to sort of like broker a truce between them and the, the this native people almost the same as the plot from uh, uh, Maleficent Mistress of Evil the sequel in terms of uniting the Moors and the uh, the, the the castle kingdom but uh, there's this whole thing of like, yeah, he he built a a dam on the river that they have, so that you know this dam has a bridge on top of it and will unite the two kingdoms, yada yada yada. And then all of a sudden, a fight breaks out, and they, they, people start fighting, and all of a sudden, the magic sort of banishes anyone from going into the enchanted forest. So a giant cloud of fog comes over the enchanted forest, and no one can come in, and no one can go out. And uh, that's sort of the story. And the mother's like, whoa, like, you know, we don't want to scare the kids a little too much. And so she she sings them a lullaby to go to bed. And uh, then it's, you know, back to the present day where <clears throat> we've got, again, like I said, I there's there's things I love about Frozen and there's things that I really don't like about Frozen. And one of them is Olaf. And, and in this movie, he serves both purposes. Um, to me, Olaf is a He's sort of the slapstick comedy piece of this Disney movie. I mean, take your pick. You've got there's lit there's literally a, sl a slapstick character in every Disney movie. There's always that one person whose only job is to just crack jokes and crack wise. And uh, in this movie, I would say that Olaf cracks wise more than he cracks jokes. And in the, in that way. I would really recommend checking that out just for that piece of it because he there are a lot of adult themes that Olaf talks about and he plays them off as stupid because he's a snowman. So there's this whole thing where you know by by the end of it and and I guess I'll get to this part but they get into the enchanted forest and there's just all these weird things happening around them and Olaf just doesn't know how to process it and so he breaks into song and the song is this will all make sense when I'm older is the the like verse of the song and so he's you know he keeps on saying that throughout the movie like oh my god this will all make sense when i'm older and uh it's funny because it's like you know that's how a kid feels is like you know these things will make sense when you're older and it's like no nothing makes sense when you're older either but then he he has these little quips that he talks about all the time and it almost seems like he goes into like a fugue state or blacks out because he'll say something like he was like talking with a kid in the village and he says uh, have you ever wondered about how the older you get, the more complex mind processes you have uh, when you're when you're like contemplating things? And I'm sitting in my seat, going, "Holy crap! Like, yes, yes, I feel that way all the time. Like, the things that I think about today are so much more complex than the things that I thought about when I was a kid. Like, in a in a negative way. Like, you right? Like, there's a you know, there's a lot of uh, 
you know, talk of like, you know, oh, the universe and, and no, nothing matters because we're all just, we're all just animals or, you know, all, all those weird things that kind of cross your mind. And he just called the kids like, no. And he goes, oh, I guess it'll make more sense when I'm older. And so it's like, he brings up these really adult themes and, but kind of phrases them in a, a kid fashion. He also throws out a lot of facts during the movie. Like he'll say, did you know that this, this, and it's like, how did you even know that? And then he talks about something else, but it's, it's almost like he, it, it's weird, but at the same time, I liked it. But there were also a lot of jokes of his where I'm like, again, I, I find him annoying as a character. So when he was saying those cool things, I was like, okay, cool. Like I'm, I'm starting to like you again. And then he would do something. And I was like, okay, I don't like you anymore. But um, he was great. <clears throat> and uh, we're, we're diving in real quick on this, but it was directed by Chris Buck and Jennifer Lee and written by, I believe, Jennifer Lee. Yeah, Jennifer Lee and Chris Buck as well. So written and uh, written and directed, starring Kristen Bell, Adina Menzel, Josh Gad, Jonathan Groff, Sterling K. Brown, Evan Rachel Wood, Alfred Molina. And uh, the movie is an hour and 43 minutes. So they uh, Elsa starts hearing this this voice. And it's like a like a like a sing song type of ha, and she's she's the only one that can hear it, and so eventually she tells Anna, Anna, and she's like, "Why didn't you tell me? Like we're supposed to be not keeping anything from each other," and she's like, "I'm sorry." Like yada yada yada. So they're like, "I think we need to go to the enchanted forest," and part of that she like does something, and this is where one of my you know nitpicks with it is i don't know what it is that she does but she has a great song this beautiful song and at the end of the song it's like all four of those elements attack arendale and i don't know why i mean it makes sense in the overall arch of the story arc of the story but uh i don't get what it is that elsa did to do it was it because she was singing was it because she activated her ice powers and guys if you had any question or or a reservation about the animation in this movie, it is phenomenal. And Elsa uses her powers a lot. And it is just gorgeous. It is a feast for your eyes when you're watching her perform her magic. And, uh, but, but anyway, somehow she, so like the town, all the bricks on the ground start getting all out of whack and all the lamps, all the fire goes out of the lamps and all the water disappears from the fountains. So they have to evacuate the town. Otherwise, you know, they're, they're going to, the town's going to die. So the entire kingdom goes onto this ridge and they're like, we have to go to the enchanted forest. So obviously the group of main characters travel to the enchanted forest. Elsa can walk through the fog and they get inside and all of those people are still trapped in there. So like the Sterling K. Brown plays the general of the army who is still there. And he's like, oh my, like you guys are uh, the king's daughters. Like, wow, you look just like him sort of thing. Like it's been like 30 years or something that he's been in there. And uh, by the end of it, what happens is they realize they have to figure out the truth. And Anna's like, or Elsa's like, I promise I'm trying to figure out the truth about what happened between all of our people and why this curse is on the land. And the native people don't really trust her, but they explain or she they find out there's this really cool thing that and again, Olaf is Olaf explains that water has memories. And he says something like when you are drinking water, that water that you're drinking has passed through four to five other humans and animals which I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And he's like, you know, there's memories surrounding that. So whenever she uses her ice powers in certain areas, these sculptures appear out of the water and kind of tell a story. And so there's there's one 
of uh, in the in the mists in this enchanted forest of her father because he he describes that he you know someone saved him and took him out of the enchanted forest before it was too late and so we see it's like a young girl and immediately it's like oh that's it's her mom it's their mom their mom was one of the native people there and so then you're like whoa okay so that means else that's why Elsa has powers is because she is of the this magic this magic realm and then anna is sort of of the human realm and so these people are like whoa the the native people kind of change their tune a little bit and start to believe her but so her and anna and olaf take off to go and uh, figure out what the truth is and so they're basically following this voice that leads eventually just Elsa, Anna has to be left behind, but eventually just Elsa to this, this, uh, and, and it's the scene from the trailer too, so beautiful, she has to tame the ocean basically, or tame the water, because the water spirit is angry as well, and so there's this amazingly beautiful scene of her literally taming a horse made out of water, under the water, and above the water, and uh, oh man, it was just, it was a sight, it was a sight for sore eyes, it was a sight for any type of eyes, and so she gets in there, and again, you know, oh, water has memories, so she activates her powers, and uh, all these different stories start coming up, and we find out that the voice that she was hearing was her, I believe it was her mother's voice, obviously, right, and so she gets in there, and we find out, much like any good uh, politically charged Disney movie of the day, uh, the grandfather uh was tricking the native americans again a very big play on it is in no like when you're it's very obvious it is not a subtle sort of oh this is about native americans or this is about you know finding the truth or you know being whatever and it's like the grandfather he basically built that ford that um that that dam so that the natives would have to rely on Arendelle because now they would have less water. So he did it as a trick. And then he attacked and killed the leader of them, and that's what sparked the fighting. And so she's like, oh my gosh. And at this point, she's starting to, to turn frozen. And um, she has, there's a really funny line, and I turned to my wife in the movie. She, she says something while she, she's like, right, and it's, oh God, just so amazing. She's riding this this water horse across the ocean to this island. And she says something like, that's the place. It must be frozen. And I was like, he, she should have said, that's the place. It must be frozen too. And then like, look at the camera and wink. But, um, but so she's starting to freeze and she goes, I need to, she's like, Elsa or Anna, please hear me. And she shoots off this, like basically a, a message flare of ice to Anna. And so Anna's dealing with her own stuff, trying to cope with the fact that her sister is gone and she gets the literal message, like the ice thing lands by Anna and it basically replays the exact same thing. So Anna now knows the same truth that Elsa does. And so she races back and she, there's these, and I skipped over it, but there's these big giant uh, rock creatures that kind of represent the earth power. And they're, they've been avoiding them because they're giant. And she's like, what do we need to do? Like, we need to destroy the dam. And it was like, but if we destroy the dam, it's going to destroy Arendelle. And she's like, it doesn't matter. Like, the tr this is the truth. This is how we set our people free on both sides. So she has the rock people kind of bust up the um, 
they they're trying to kill her but they're like throwing rocks at the dam and it breaks and at that point you know everything kind of and i'm skipping over a lot of stuff because i don't want to spoil most of it i'm just kind of giving you an idea of the movie but so that's it and then it ends and and uh, uh everything goes back to normal and there's some really sweet scenes and, and so funny at the end olaf after uh something happens to olaf and again i don't want to i'm not going to spoil that because that was a really sad scene but um he's back and he's like are there any other world ending things that we need to worry about and elsa says nope that's it and i looked at my wife i was like is that her saying the movie's over like nope that's it we're done and uh we, we had a good laugh about that but it was just, like i said it was a cute movie it was uh just again classic disney movie where it's got your magic it's got some really catchy songs and uh, the animation by is just i'm loving all of these disney animation movies it's it's almost as good as pixar like they're they're right up there with pixar in terms of the animation quality so i would recommend checking it out uh if you're not a frozen fan there's no reason for you to go see it and at the same time this movie is going to be coming to disney plus at some point so you you definitely can wait if you don't want to be watching this movie in the theaters with a bunch of of kids we got lucky because we went on a previews night obviously on thursday and uh, our theater had very few people in it um some of the other theaters were booked but we picked a, a the just the right time i think our entire row was empty so we got to kind of talk a little bit during the movie which was fun um yeah so uh, it was good i enjoyed it that is my review for frozen 2 so we're gonna oh, i've got this hefty book here i'm looking at right now we're gonna dive right into this so i'll give you a quick review of this book too i this is my third marvel art of book i have the civil war and i have infinity war and I had the Road to Infinity War, but I realized how much of a cash grab that was. It's literally just reprinting stuff from all the other books. So I, I actually ended up selling that one. But it does a really, there's some really good concept art in here. There's some beautiful landscapes. And again, a lot of these can be seen online uh, because people are posting them. They clearly don't care about, you know, you having to purchase this $50 book. Um, but at the very back is, and it's, it's cool. So I'll, I'll go through it here. It says, unused concepts. It says, when penning the Infinity Saga's epic two-part finale, several ideas were floated that never made it on screen. The following pages contain concepts of various realities that could have been. One idea was for Avengers Infinity War, the Iron Strange Armor. During Tony Stark and Spider-Man's reckless outer space rescue of Doctor Strange, a magical showdown almost occurred between Ebony Maw and the master of the mystic arts himself. And so at this point, you know, that's like the, the intro page, and it's got a couple of concept bits from all of the ones that we'll talk about, but I just want to give a, a few call-outs on here. So this book is written by Eleni Russos, who's the one who does, she does all of the art of books, but the foreword and cover art and a lot of the art inside here is by Ryan Minerding. There's also art in here by, and I, you know, I should probably just jump to the back of the book here and, and read that piece off because there's a there's a good amount. Oh, here we go. Artist credits. So I'm just going to read them all off because I think they deserve to be recognized. Uh, Alexi Bricklot, Wesley Burt, Roberto Castro, Paul Catling, Paul Chandler, Bob Cheshire, Christian Cordella, Fausto Demartini, Dean Egg, Melissa Encinas, Jan Ingle, Tim Flattery, Frame Store, Anthony Francisco, Rodney Fuentebella. As I'm reading these off, guys, just think about it. Like, you're watching this Avengers movie, and not only do you see as the scroll comes with the, the credits of all of the amazing actors that are in this movie, all of the, the you know, the producers, Trin Tran and uh, um, Joe and Anthony Russo, um, Stephen, Mar Stephen uh, Marcus Christopher McFeely, 
or Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely always get them mixed up. Um, but you, and then all of the like the grips, the best boys, the principal photographers, all that stuff. There are four columns of artists whose only job is to draw concept art for the movies. How cool is that? Like this is this is these are unsung heroes. These are people that do not get the credit that they deserve because a lot of times what you're seeing on screen comes from these people's drawings and that is how cool that must feel to be one of these people and see your concept art on screen living and breathing in, in an actor's portrayal and the next one huge shout out to addy granov who does a lot of great covers and art for marvel comics he's also a concept artist for them sean hargraves tim hill kevin houlihan rise Ifen. Ooh, rise Ifen. he's the guy who isn't he he was the lizard in uh wasn't he the lizard in um, Amazing Spider-Man? Uh, Ian Joyner, Steve Jung, Chris Kessler, Ryan Lang, Jared Morantz, Ron Mason, Masako Masuda, Ian McKaig, Ryan Minerding, and he's one of the big ones on here. And I hope we get to Andy. Yeah, there we go. Okay, cool. Josh Neasy, Carlo Ortiz, Paul Ozimo, Andy Park, Perception Confidential, Oliver Prawn, Adam Ross, Joshua Sankar, Phil Saunders, Stephen Shereel, John Staub, Brian Schultz, or Stultz, Tully Summers, Justin Sweet, Jackson Seas, Pete Thompson, and Ivan Waitman. So, thank you guys for listening to all those names again. I know that can probably be like, oh, come on, just get on with it. But honestly, I wouldn't be reading these. I wouldn't be sharing this cool information with you had these people not made the beautiful art that they've made so a great shout out to all of them so we're diving right in this first one this concept art is for iron man and dr strange so it explains it in here ryan uh, was it ryan minerding i think who says this um no concept artist uh john staub but um yeah and i'm just going to read these for you that way i'm going to give you guys i'm taking care of you today Filmmakers played with the concept of switching Tony Stark and Doctor Strange power sets, with Stark wearing the cloak of levitation and Strange wearing the Iron Man armor, in order to explore new character interactions. Very interesting, guys. While they were fighting Ebony Maw, they switched their weapons, concept artist Jim Staub says. I did this frame based on Phil Saunders' designs as well as some storyboard sequences. They wanted to see a more realized version of them since there were sketches. I was happy to really draw the scene of these two people who share facial hair and attitude fighting together. It's one of those moments that people have seen in comics where they have a history together, and to actually see it on screen would have been mind-blowing. The story point was that Doctor Strange is trapped by Ebony Maw, and he's being tortured with magic needles. When Tony sends his nanosuit onto Doctor Strange to protect him so that he can escape, the armor forms itself around the Eye of Agamotto. The Eye of Agamotto effectively burns a glyph into the chest and turns it into a magically powered suit rather than an RT or what is that? Repulsor Tech powered suit. It was super fun. I wish it was still in the movie. Ultimately, the idea was foregone for a simpler solution, blasting Maw through a hole in the ship's hull. Um, the concept art is really cool, guys, but that just doesn't that sound like a cool, like that would have been a cool reveal in the movie. Uh, this is another one that um, is a, it's a, a picture or some concept art of a Cthulhu-looking type uh, squid creature that apparently was set to be in the Sanctum Sanctorum and was going to hand Tony Stark a drink. And instead of Tony freaking out about the creature, 
Uh, and it says it here. He says, uh, this was a really fun gag in the movie. Uh, concept artist Gerard Morant says of the squid-like creature intended for Infinity War. When Doctor Strange and Iron Man were hanging out in the Sanctum, they hadn't met before, and it was supposed to be this magical creature that they were passing by that offers Tony a cup of tea, and he gets a chance again to say his line, I don't like being handed things. So he was just backing off from this creature. The goal was to create something bizarre that showed the expansive quality of the universe as well as designing it around the gag of Tony being weirded out and not wanting to accept a cup of tea just because he doesn't like being handed things. So here's another example of just the secrets behind the movie of the fact that they were wanting to make to show this more expansive universe. And I, this is so cool. Uh, this next one is in an alternate draft of Thor Ragnarok. The film's climax had a different path for Loki. After he took the Tesseract from the Asgardian Palace vault, he decided to sneak away from the refugee ship instead of helping Thor relocate. It wouldn't be until Avengers Infinity War that audiences would learn that Loki traveled to Jotunheim to hide both the Tesseract and himself from Thanos. The Mad Titan finds him anyway. In this alternate version, Loki's fate would have remained the same, falling at the hands of Thanos. But these just look so beautiful. Thanos basically is just showing up, and Loki's sitting down holding the, the Tesseract, and, and oh, it's that would have been interesting. But I, I like the way that they did it here. But there's a kind of redeeming quality about that, right? About him, you know, deciding to take the danger away from everyone else. And then we've got... This is... Uh, um, uh, Infinity War concept footage of uh, the Hulk and Bruce Banner agreeing to uh, work together and him busting out of the uh, the Hulkbuster armor. And they said, obviously, they you know decided to wait until Avengers Endgame on that one, which we all know. Uh, this next one, in an earlier... Ooh, interesting. Okay, in an early draft of Avengers Infinity War, the Black Order attacks the Sanctum Sanctorum. During a major action sequence inside the Sanctum, Black Widow, Bruce Banner, and Wong enter a door and end up in the Mindscape, a realm in which one faces their worst fears. And so we get some concept footage of a bunch of things. Black Widow's like coming to terms with herself and uh, kind of a cool concept, but I can totally see why that one didn't make it into the movie. Uh, accompanied by Rocket and Groot. Oh, this one, guys, this is one of those ones where I was like, oh man, why wasn't this in the movie? This would have been so much cooler, and I know audiences would have paid to see this. Accompanied by Rocket and Groot, Thor traveled across the galaxy to obtain a weapon capable of killing Thanos in Avengers Infinity War. Instead of forging Stormbreaker on Nidavellir, Thor was originally meant to discover the weapon on Jormungand, the World Serpent. A character based on a traditional I'm getting chills. A traditional element of Norse mythology that first appeared in Marvel Tales 105, 1952. This was going to be the introduction introduction of Stormbreaker, says uh, Rodney Fuentebella, one of the senior visual development artists. Uh, it was forged way back when, and one of Thor's ancestors had welded it or wielded it to destroy the World Serpent. In the top right image, you can see it buried in the skull of the World Serpent. We wanted to create something that was interesting and different, but. Feel like you could tell it was buried in something there was also an idea of how after they got stormbreaker as they were escaping the children of the world serpent would attack them and they would have to fight their way out uh it, this just looks intense guys these having to fight giant snakes uh, rockets using these badass guns and of course you know thor's got stormbreaker and is ripping apart these snakes so cool and all oh, they've got bun they've got a bunch of panels in regards to this one it's just beautiful 
So I wish that one would have been a case. And then they've got some concept, literally, they have pages of concept art on the World Serpent. And it looks a lot like, um, it says they were built kind of around an oil rig drill, is what it looks like. It looks it looks kind of like a Star Wars monster, and that's, ah, it just looks so cool. That would have been, obviously, again, as you guys, if you guys have been on social media, they've got the concept art for the young Thanos. They said that they, uh, you were going to see him as a baby. You're going to see him born to a family where he looked malformed compared to the rest of his family. And you're going to see him on a planet that's crazy overpopulated. And as he's walking through and he's having an actual teen moment of being that seven foot tall, awkward teenager. And everyone's looking at him like, who is this? Who's this awkward kid? We were also going to see him make an appeal to the government of the world and say, we are overpopulated. We're going to end up destroying ourselves. We have to kill half the population or do something else with them. And of course, they tell him he's crazy and send him to a prison on a nearby moon. And then he was going to see his whole planet go up in flames because it destroyed itself. And he had seen it happen. So that was the journey we were trying to reverse engineer Thanos' design younger and younger. So you get to see some cool concept art of uh, him kind of as a teen, younger, that sort of thing and some other you know footage along with some concept art of the people in his family which is pretty cool next up it looks like it's some concept art there's no description but just concept art of black panther and the wakandans in uh, some armor it looks almost like iron man armor but very black panthery uh, which is really cool and uh, mech suits there were supposed to be these mech suits that these guys literally look like they're in mech assault suits uh, but they have a very distinct African flair to them, which is really cool. Along with robotic panthers, which look really cool too. That obviously didn't come to pass. And then there were going to be uh, the, those leviathans, the Godzilla leviathans is what they call them on here. The the big, uh, in Endgame and in the original Avengers movie, the ones that are flying around, they've got some concept art of what they would look like. Uh, with other things, some of them have drills for hands, and they made them gigantic. And they said they ultimately went with smaller versions because in talks, it was impossible to defeat these giant monsters. So it's like, uh, that makes sense. That makes total sense. And uh, and then, ooh, this one's cool. An idea for Endgame. In the final battle, you would see several of those bad guy magicians, the Maws, and they would have these magic tanks that they would create from the scraps in the battle. It would look like something that has guns. And these magicians, these maws, have a configuration where they would have a pilot and four gunners, and they would control these awesome magic guns that would just decimate their enemies in front of them. It was a very interesting and odd look to it, is what it says. And uh, also can see why this wouldn't have been in the movie, because people would have been like, there's only one ebony maw. Uh, we've also got uh, some concept art for... Um, oh, they said originally that um, a war machine was going to be piloting the armor remotely and there was going to be a battle with him in, in um, the Black Order, but they said they decided to not do that because they already did the remote piloting in Iron Man 3. And then also they've got that beautiful piece of concept art you guys have probably seen of Nebula uh, holding the Infinity Gauntlet and um, that, that was just, I guess, a piece of concept art. So that was it. Those are all of them. Like I said, I think my favorite one of all of these is for sure that Thor one. If you can find that online, any of those concept photos, or if you decide to just purchase this book, 
I would recommend going. I pre-ordered mine on Amazon just because I didn't know if this would sell out or not. I think it was like 40 bucks instead of 50 But I know on CheapGraphicNovels.com, it's going to be on there for $27.99. Obviously, you have to pay shipping with them. It's like 7 bucks for shipping. So maybe bundle it with a couple of other things if it hasn't been sold out yet. But those are just some cool ideas. And I think the most important thing about that is... There's so much about the MCU that we don't know. So many concepts and ideas that are talked about behind closed doors. And honestly, um, you know, if you believe in an afterlife, if you believe in heaven, my heaven would probably be just me being a force ghost in the Marvel starting because you could probably again time you know time doesn't exist none of that stuff if I if I'm dead and I'm, I'm a ghost I'm gonna go back to 2006 and I'm gonna haunt Kevin Feige for the for the rest of his life and I'm just gonna stay near him and that way I have every little bit of information and I can I can see the the birthing of all of these ideas because it's just, I mean just with the concept art to think about all these universes that have been created in these artists' heads and on their pens and with their pens and paper, uh, it, it's just so cool that none of these made it to the screen, but they still they still exist and they're out there. And so it's nice to have a piece of memorabilia like this that that honors those sort of moments in uh, in the MCU. So um, a beautiful beautiful book and uh, a lot of other great panels in there. Like I said, there's some great spreads for the battle, the final battle at Avengers Compound, some uh, great stuff from the time heist as well, and uh, the, the killing of Thanos scenes were pretty cool too. So that is, uh, that's just, I guess, a review of the art book, but I, I figured it would be pertinent on here since it's related to the movie. So I hope you guys enjoyed hearing about that. And with that, I am going to wrap this episode up. So for Comics and Cinema, I'm your host, Alex Klein. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you at the movies. Thank you.